This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hello and welcome to a special edition of Front Office Features with our guest this week, Casey Katofsky, the Executive Director of the Future, Future Legends Complex. Casey, welcome. Appreciate you having me, Chris. Thank you. So I am pumped to have you on because as you and I were just discussing before we clicked record, you come at the sports angle from a very different world where we typically have traditional guests that are in leagues or teams. So I'm I'm thrilled to have you on just to have a different viewpoint of, of our business. As we always tell folks, it's not just about necessarily working for a team or league to work in sports. You can do many other things and your career has shown that. Uh, and there's also a key word that we'll get to in a little bit that people love to throw around with this buzzword that you've been successful in and getting your foot in the door. Uh, but I'd love to you to just give a quick overview of yourself and, and, and kind of your background. Yeah, 100%. And again, Chris, appreciate you having me. I know it's... Uh... I've been a big fan of what you guys have been doing, so it's an honor to be on here. Uh, I'll give you a quick background. So uh, in terms of the complex, in terms of myself, I'll start with myself. Uh, I am a California boy, uh, born and raised. I'm from the Valley, as stereotypical as it gets in terms of how I talk. <laughs> uh, I try and I don't, I'm not very good at surfing. So that's, I guess, the one thing that's not stereotypical about me. Uh, born and raised in California. I spent most of my uh, young life being in the Valley. Uh, I wanted to be a professional baseball player. That was my goal. Uh, I was getting recruited for a couple of good programs on the West Coast. I wanted to stay on the West Coast. I was a pitcher uh, for a long time. I, I was very Greg Maddox-esque. I didn't throw that hard, but I could uh, you know, hit a nail from 100 feet away. Uh, that type of thing. I threw a lot of ground balls. And so I wanted to play in college. That was the goal. And then go pro. And during recruitment, I tore the UCL in my elbow. Oh. Uh, and instead of getting Tommy John, I opted to do PRP, which is platelet uh, procedure. I don't know what the R stands for, but uh, they take blood out of one arm, they spin it, and they put it in the other arm. And pretty much the end result was that I can never throw again. Uh, at really? least at the level that I wanted to. And I said, you know, obviously it was not the most fun experience, but. Uh, Santa Clara was always my top choice academically. It fit exactly what I wanted. It was a top academic school, had good sports, was in the right area. I love the Bay Area. Uh, and so that was always my top choice. And so I wanted to play there. And since I couldn't play there, I was still accepted for academics. And so I went there, uh, enjoyed it. I tried to dabble with as many things as I could in the tech space. You know, being in San Jose in that area, you know, you're surrounded by every tech company that you could ever imagine. And so I tried to... to get a little bit away from sports, even though that was my passion and dabble in as much as I could. And I, I kept realizing, I kept coming back to, you know, sports is what I'm really passionate about. It's what my family industry is. And I'll get into that in a little bit. Uh, and so I said, I really enjoy college athletics. Santa Clara is a really interesting place to 
dabble in college athletics. You don't have a huge football program. The basketball program was pretty much built by Kurt Rambis and Steve Nash. Uh, and I happened to be there at a time where we had a very solid uh, nationwide player uh, of the name of Jared Brownridge, who's now doing his own podcast uh, and plays in the G League. And, and uh, I was friends with him, still am, and, and he was on the basketball team. And I said, I enjoyed going to the games. What if I kind of worked for the, the front office of the athletic staff and helped other people enjoy the games as much as I did and kind of dabble in whatever they needed me to do? Uh, I just kept working my way up until senior year. They made me the marketing chair of student athletics, where I would be planning most of the experiences and events that go on with the student aspect of men's basketball. And that really solidified how much I wanted to be in the front office of sports. And so I, I decided I needed more education. I wanted to be uh, really passionate about this and both the business side and personal level. And I grew up sports being my, my top love and, and first real love. Uh, we were talking before this started, Chris, you know, my family originally comes from Pittsburgh and Pittsburgh is the religion in Pittsburgh is sports. If you've ever been there, it's different than anywhere that I've ever been in the country. And so that's been our passion, at least my passion. Uh, and so I decided I needed more education. I, I decided to get my graduate certification from Columbia. Very excited. I was able to be accepted into Georgetown's grad program. Uh, I got uh, accepted and hired into the Georgetown Athletics Marketing Department right underneath Chris Grossi. Chris Grossi is now the Assistant Athletic Director at Penn State. Penn State, and yeah. And he's been doing some some incredible things. He one of, one of the most interesting minds that you'll see in sports. So he's another guy to, to learn from. Uh, he taught me a lot, to be honest. But I got hired about a week after Patrick Ewing got hired. Uh, yeah. And that was a little bit of a, a shell shock for sure. We went through... Uh, kind of like a new student, new employee orientation where everyone sat in the room with 200 people in the entire front office. You know, they everyone had to stand up that was new and and say what their name was, where they're from, and what department they're in. And I stood up and I said, hi, I'm Casey Gatowski. I'm from Sherman Oaks, California. I went to Santa Clara. I work for the men's and women's basketball department. Then a seven-foot-one guy behind me stands up and says, Pat Ewing, Georgetown, men's basketball. And it was the entire room just started laughing hysterically. And I, I always remember that I went through new employee orientation with Pat Ewing in the same week uh, while I had to try to not be shell-shocked. But throughout the Georgetown experience, I worked in the athletic department for a while, mainly with men's and women's basketball, as I said. Uh, really enjoyed it. It was something that was very different to other experiences that I had, Georgetown being you know, a pretty prominent program, very historic, uh, has a fan base. But the men's team, they play off campus. The women's team, they play on campus. And women's sports, uh, it takes a lot more effort, unfortunately, to get fans to come and get the same support that the men's team do. And so you get to be a little bit more innovative uh, with women's sports because the talent level is still there. They're, they're playing at a high level. They play competition at a high level, and they deserve the same support. Uh, obviously, with everything going on right now, that's a big issue. And so we were able, uh, both under Chris and the rest of the athletic department, to be as innovative as we wanted. And Chris is known for some of these very crazy, uh, you know, kind of viral promotions. Uh, one of them that we did together was Avocado Appreciation Night. Hmm. Uh, and being from California, you have to do something with avocados. It's by law. Uh and so we did stuff like that. We did uh, a, a couple cool things with the women's team, and that really opened my eyes to how innovative you can be in sports. But I knew that I wanted to keep trying out other things in the sports world 
Uh, and again, in a little bit, Chris, I know I'm talking for a little while, but uh, trying to give you the whole spiel. I'll, I'll give you the, the family background in a second. Uh, I knew that I wanted to dabble in the corporate side too. So I was able to have a couple of connections at Georgetown uh, through Under Armour. And Under Armour had an office in San Francisco where they do certain corporate partnerships. They do a lot of the tech aspect. And when they, they purchased uh, and acquired MyFitnessPal, that's based in the Bay Area. Uh, I moved back to the Bay Area and I worked for Under Armour for a while to get to more of a, a corporate feel. But I was there for a little while and I enjoyed what I did, but it wasn't as sports related as I wanted. And so I knew that it wasn't going to be my end all be all. And this opportunity kind of arose through what I'll explain in a little bit. And this has been a passion of ours for a long time. And so I decided this is the best time to do that. This is the best time to move out here and and make this my full-time position and really create something that's ever been done before. So now I'm out here in Fort Collins, Colorado. Uh, I have a, a lot more winter gear than I thought I would hmm. uh, being from LA. My, uh, my partner, uh, she has a lot of winter gear that she never thought she would have too. Uh, but we enjoy it so far. And right now we're kind of in the thick of things of the complex, which we'll talk about too. But that's been kind of a, uh, the life story of me and where, where I am now. Yeah, so so Casey, that's interesting because a lot of people uh, who work in sports, we'll call it sports marketing, which we're going to get to too. I have a question for you about that. Uh, they they sometimes transition into those one of those roles, and they feel like they're in sports, but they're not in sports because they don't have that same camaraderie from a team feel. It's different, right? There's like a different feeling when you work for a, a large organization like Under Armour compared to working for a team or an organization that can win or lose on a given on a field on a court uh, on a, on a rink. Describe that. I mean, you kind of touched on it. Like, so what was what was missing from that Under Armour experience for you that didn't feel like you were quite as much in sports as you wanted to be? Yeah, absolutely. I think that personally, I like being as connected to what's going on on the field and what people experience from that as much as possible. And the corporate side and the sponsorship side, you know, uh, some people love it and there are aspects of it that I love too. I just like being more part of the fan experience and, and making sure that. What I'm passionate about at sports and what I love so much about it, the romanticism about it, is able to be a part of my everyday job. And it, it just wasn't mainly the job description in Under Armour uh, or another one of these companies, whether it's Nike or Octagon or an agency like that. And a lot of people like the agency route, which is cool. Some people are much more passionate about that. Uh, I just wanted to be a little bit more involved in the operations of what's going on on the field and how people perceive it. So that, that kind of led to those type of decisions and where I am now. So let's talk about the executive director of operations for the Future Legends Complex. One, yeah. let's say like, okay, what is what is your overall role? And two, what is the Future Legends Complex? Yeah, uh, that's a good question. So first, I know I was going to talk about the, the family history and how we got to this complex, because uh, that's a, a big part of, of where we are today. Uh, my family and I have been involved in professional sports for a very long time. Uh, my father, uh, his dream was to own a professional team. Uh, he was able to do so in 2004, uh, where as a family, we purchased a minor league baseball team. And so since 2004, I've worked every summer uh, for the baseball team. It's been an affiliation with the Angels. So I'm a enormous Angels fan. Uh, it's been an experience that's almost like a dream to be an owner of a professional team. 
And the, the second major dream that he's had, that I've had, that my grandfather's had for a, a long time is to create a youth complex that combined the efforts of youth tournaments and uh, events and leagues with a professional side to it to uh, allow people to be confident and look forward to what they can achieve later in life. And so we've been looking for different places to do that for a very long time. And unfortunately, it took longer than we expected to find the right place to add something like that. There are a good amount of, of complexes out there that do uh, a couple things very well. And then there are some out there that do a lot of things really well, but are missing a couple elements to it. And if you're familiar with, uh, there's a couple of complexes in the country. Uh, you take Cooperstown, for example. They pretty much set the precedent to have you know, a nationwide baseball tournament where people fly in all around the country. They have dorms for the players to stay in without their parents, that they stay in with the rest of their teammates. They stay for a week. They get to play teams from all around the country. You know, if you're a team from Boston, you can play a team from Seattle. And that was really the first opportunity to do that. And I was fortunate enough to play in some of those tournaments growing up, you know, a long time ago. And the tournaments are a lot different now. But that dorm-style tournament doesn't exist for any other sport. Uh, there's been a couple that do it for baseball. There's some that have a stay and play model where it's very close to the complex. But for soccer, lacrosse, volleyball, there isn't a complex that has a dorm for the players to stay in without their parents and to have that really uh, elusive type of experience with your team You know, at a young age that definitely allows people to, to have a different experience in other places. And so that's what we wanted to create. And all of a sudden... You know, we were able to join forces with a couple of different professional athletes, one of them being Ryan Spielborgs from the Colorado Rockies, uh, who had the same vision that we did. And we were able to find a location up here in northern Colorado, specifically in Windsor, and northern Colorado being an area that's growing almost as fast as any other place in the country in terms of tech and people and uh, apartments and condos. And so this location made so much sense to us, and we just kept adding. And we added... Uh, we have almost two dozen outdoor fields. We have an indoor dome stadium that is about four acres long for basketball, volleyball, and indoor wow. multi-purpose sports. Uh, we're able to build multiple hotels directly on the complex. The, my father also deals with, with real estate and retail, uh, so building hotels around the country, uh, you know, building restaurants, building stores, stuff like that. And so we're kind of putting all of our heads together and my background in sports operations throughout my entire life, all of us decided to come together to create a complex where we have all of these things and to have a professional stadium in the middle of the complex where, where team, a, a team or two can play while you have people around you playing in youth tournaments that have something to aspire to be. And then you have the dorms that we were able to build or are able to build right now that 64 different teams are able to stay directly on the complex play in the tournaments that they come here for while the parents stay 300 yards away in two different hotels where you make it somewhat of an experiential vacation. And so we're just living the dream right now, Chris. It's It's been an unbelievable ride. I don't get a lot of sleep. We'll see if I still have hair in a couple of years. <laughs> but that that's kind of where we are now. Uh, and I know you asked a follow-up question too, and I forgot what point it was I, I talked so about. Yeah, so it's it's what is what is your day to day role right right now within the organization? What are you mainly focused on and responsible for? Obviously, executive director of operations is 
could mean a lot of different things. But what sure. are you mean? What are you mainly tackling on a day to day basis? Yeah, great question. And so when I was presented this opportunity, because I've been a part of it in terms of the family business, but in terms of of moving out here and doing this full time, uh, you know, it was brought to me by the team and said we we need somebody to run the events that go on outside of the professional stadium, the tournaments, the operations that go on with non-sporting events, whether it's a concert or a festival. Uh, and being a part of these tournaments my entire life, being in sports operations my entire life outside of those you know, couple of years where I was in tech, uh, it's always been my passion. And so I never really considered making this my full-time role and moving my family out here to Colorado. Uh, and so what the, the role entails uh, outside of the cliche answer, which is just everything, uh, is I deal with all of the planning and events and operations that go on in the entire complex outside of the professional teams and managing the hotels. So uh, planning different baseball tournaments, planning soccer tournaments, dealing with other tournament companies that want to have their events and tournaments on our complex. If we want to plan a concert for 15,000 people, that as well, making sure that our fields are uh, have the, the highest maintenance that we can, making sure that the dorms are filled, putting any, any type of event that we want, anywhere from a spike ball tournament to a pre-Olympic baseball tournament we can do. And so I'm in charge of all of that uh, and building out a team right now to help me achieve a bunch of those different things in different departments that we can achieve the, the very high upper echelon goals that we have. So you're looking for folks? Always. I can't do it myself, Chris. So that's, that's, that's good news for the listeners because everybody always reaches out to us and asks, well, it's COVID-19. There's no opportunities. What exactly. am I supposed to do? Uh, Casey just told you all that there's clearly opportunities in Northern Colorado with what they're working on. So if you don't reach out to them, you're probably missing <laughs> a big, big piece of advice. Um, that's really fascinating. I mean, I've looked at the project. I've, I've gone down the rabbit hole with what you guys are building in it. It seems like a 12 year old, 13 year olds, like sports heaven yeah. from being able to go there and, and have an experience such as that. Like, I feel like everybody would remember that from like a childhood memory. And I think that's what we talk about a lot, right? This power of sports to be able to influence and create those experiences for people in their lives all typically revert back to something in their childhood and looking at what you guys are building seems to hit that right on the head. So I, I understand when you were saying you want to have more of that connection. And is that part of what you guys are trying to, to accomplish with this facility? Yeah, uh, there's there's a bunch of things we want to accomplish. And, and I'd say the two main goals from this, uh, obviously it's a passion project. There are plenty of things that we could have tried to create that you know might've made more business sense in the short term. Uh, this is something that we've wanted to do that we're passionate about. And, and you'll, you always hear people say, you got to wake up every morning being motivated to what you do. Uh, if not, you're not really pursuing your passions in life. And so the two main reasons why we built this is one, to create an experience, like you said, Chris, that allows to be a baseball or a sports heaven for a 12 or 13 year old kid that wants to be the next Mike Trout or Andrew McCutcheon. And so we, we wanted to create that experience that allowed people to feel like they're almost at a professional level at eight years old. And the second reason we built this is there is a lot of discrimination, segregation, lack of opportunities for kids that can't pay the money to play in these very exclusive tournaments around the country. You know, if you live in Montana, to get to a tournament in Florida is a pretty tough task. 
And so we want to be as accessible as we possibly can to not just the people that are normally travelers for tournaments, but people that are looking to, to be a part of sports in any way or shape or form, either in the local area or nationwide, of all different backgrounds, of all different abilities. And having, we, I should have mentioned this too, we will have a, a dedicated field to people of special abilities and disablement uh, to allow them to feel like they're in the same tournament that everybody else is as they deserve. So uh, that's awesome. That's, yeah. that's, that's the best part I've, so far in terms of what you share. That's the best part about what you guys are doing. Cause that, that ability to create those experiences for someone in, in, in that position and, and cr- make them feel like they are on the same playing field. That's what sports is all about, right? It's, it's about bringing people together and having those, those moments in time, that forever are cherished by their families and watching them, their, their kids be able to experience what they hope they could ever dream of. So that's really cool. That's kudos to you guys for that. Appreciate that, Chris. That, that means a lot, honestly. And that's one of the things, as I said, that we're just most passionate about having an opportunity to provide kids that don't believe that they can be just like everybody else or that they can't be as cliche as it sounds, a future legend and to give them the same opportunities to make them feel like they're just as special or they're just as achievable in terms of their goals as every uh, every other kid that's out there playing. You know, if you're an amputee, uh, unfortunately, or you have uh, a certain disorder that that bars your ability to feel like you can have the same abilities as everybody else and have a dedicated field to those people that's in the center of the complex, so they're the center of attention, is just uh, something we're so passionate about. So we're really excited for that initiative to kick off, and we have a couple of, of other ideas to attach to that. Uh, but, but as you can tell, hopefully from my voice and, and from the stuff you see, that that's a huge priority for us. That's, that's fantastic. I mean, like I said, I can't say kudos enough to you guys for having that foresight and, and vision to do it. Uh, and also to your point, like sports and tournaments are very costly. It's, it's, it's not easy for folks to get all around the country. And a lot of people make a lot of sacrifices for their kids when they're growing up to make sure that they have those experiences. So the fact that you guys have that as part of your overall vision is is amazing, um, and that's what that's what sports is all about. That's literally why when we ask people why do you want to work in sports, and they give the canned answer of like, "Oh, I love sports," that's great. But like, what what is it about the sports that you love? And it for for me and my partner Rob on the, on the podcast, we always talk about like the impact we're able to have on on people's lives. That it's very hard to do that in any other industry where it unifies, it brings people together especially as we know in this time of need right now in society, it's more than ever, we need to be doing those type of things. So that's great. Uh, so Casey, going back to education, we talk, Rob and I had debate this a lot and in terms of the value and what people bring, you clearly have used education to your advantage with Columbia and Georgetown. What, what would you tell, like from the pros and cons in terms of that experience, what, what do you most take out of when you furthered your education with, with the master's degree in sports management? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, and definitely a hot topic of, of recent times. I would say that in my experience, and I can't speak for everybody, I can only talk about my own experience. And uh, going from an academic school like Santa Clara to two others from Columbia to Georgetown with, you know, with national name recognition, it was important for me to feel like I was getting the most centralized experience and education combination that I could you know, if you want to be a mechanical engineer, you go to a school for specifically for mechanical engineering. You want to be uh, a doctor, you go to, to nursing school, you go to, to med school. Uh, so for me personally, as somebody that wanted to be a part of sports business and the sports industry and kind of do things my own way, not just take 
my family's industry and just, you know, take the easy road, not that it's necessarily an easy road, but you know what I mean? Uh, I wanted to kind of learn things on my own and get the experiences that I could and, and being primarily on the West coast, my whole life going to two different East coast schools allowed me to be a little bit farther away from my home and gain the independence that I wanted and the individuality that, that I craved. And so Georgetown specifically is a program that specializes in personal growth through whatever avenue of sports that you want to pursue. And so if you want to be a lawyer in the sports world, they have classes for that. They have some of the best professors in the country for that. If you want to be uh, a salesman, you want to sell tickets, you want to sell sponsorships. They have classes for that. Some of the best people in the country to teach that. And all the teachers at Georgetown aren't just professors they hire. They're executives. They're you know, people that in the management level that work in the sports industry that take time from their day to teach people their experiences and how they've seen success. Uh, so my, uh, my first professor at Georgetown were or my two, two first, cause it was a co-talk class was Marty Conway and Tommy Shepard. Tommy Shepard is now the general manager of the Washington wizards. And I learned from him my first three months in Georgetown directly from him, from his experiences. Uh, and this was when he was still the vice president and Marty Conway has been in the sports world forever, uh, and a very successful man and, and the other professors that we had have all had a lot of success in hearing from them directly and getting the one-on-one -on -one time and learning from them and learning the material that you needed to and whatever specialized asset that you wanted to achieve. Uh, I mean, it was completely invaluable. I couldn't have, I wouldn't trade it for anything and I would not be where I am today without it. But I do know, Chris, that, that, and I'm sure you, you uh, and Rob have debated this. Not everybody has that experience. Some people want uh, more from their experience and people want less. And not everybody knows what they want to do in sports until after they graduate. And if you don't, you know, sometimes you take those two or three years to go to grad school. And at the end, you say, oh, I actually wanted to be a part of this. And all I did was study this. Maybe this wasn't as worth it for me. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, no, I, I, for sure. And I think what, what Rob and I always go back and forth on is it, it, I, I'm a big part of always just furthering your education when it's the right – course of action for you and it's it's it shouldn't be a fallback option right so like nowadays with COVID-19 everyone's like oh I, I I'll just go back to school because that's right. the only thing that's going to accept me I just think you need to be going for the right reasons with the clear-cut plan of what you're going for specifically when it costs so much money so if you're going to invest that much in yourself which again always a proponent of and betting on yourself that's going to pay off down the road it shouldn't just be like, oh, I'm going to school because no one else is hiring me right now. Like that's never the right reason. It should be the reasons for what you just kind of walk through of, I knew what I wanted to do. I wanted to gain my independence. I wanted to go out and learn and further my my skill set. And I had a clear cut plan when I got out versus like, well, you know what? I'm going to go drop 80 grand and hope something happens. Like that's for sure. That's just a hard thing for me to wrap my head around as like the right move for people. But if you if you feel comfortable with the people you're going to learn from, the, the, the alumni that you can have access to, the, the, the furtherment of your skill set, it's 100% the right move for people to make. It's just, I, I always struggle with people being like, well, I'm just going because, you know, I have no, I have no other choice. It's like, that's, that's a risky gamble on my, in my take because whenever you do that in anything in life, it's never the right way to do something. Absolutely. And, I, and honestly, as somebody that hires myself for my own team and for the team for the rest of the, of the complex, the name of your school, I mean, it's nice. Uh, I would lie to you if I said that 
your eyes open a little bit more when you see you know, a bunch of different schools that have name recognition, but that doesn't mean that they're not smart if they went to a community college versus Harvard. And secondly, everybody has a lot of experience now. You know, when, when I was growing up and when my parents were growing up, if you just went to college alone, that, that sometimes was enough to get the job that you wanted. And now most people go to college. Most people have, you know, 700 internships on their resume. Uh, they did extracurriculars, they played 45 instruments, they, they worked 97 hours a day. Uh, everybody has that. And so what I personally look for and what I've learned to look for is personality, work ethic, traits that people can offer to a complex like myself that I don't personally have. I'm good at certain things. I'm very bad at a lot of things. I don't want to hire people on paper that do the same things that I do or that offer the same things that I do because we already have that. We want people that offer something unique. And sometimes the people that offer something unique are the people that have thought through what their value is, because everybody has value in some way or not. What their value is, what can they offer to a company, whether it's the Yankees, whether it's Octagon or Scott Boris or a company like myself and Future Legends that they can offer that's different than most other people. And they're able to address that and communicate that better than the people around them whether or not they went to Harvard or Georgetown, but the fact that they can communicate that, you know, their value is this, they can help in this way. They have this vision. They can add to this team. They have a positive attitude. They're good at communication. That's somebody I want to be a part of my team. I love that. I know. I love that because I, I, I believe that same philosophy is you don't want to hire yourself. I don't need me. I need the person who makes me better, right? Like I don't need 25 of me. There's no, that doesn't do anything. I need right. the people who are going to fill in the blanks for my, my weaknesses, which to your point, we all have them. And, and I being able to admit that and say like, I'm really bad at X, Y, Z. Right. I need you to be that person for me. That's what I want on my team too. Like I don't like surrounding yourself with a bunch of yes people and like-minded individuals will never help you grow as an organization or as a person. Like I want people to challenge me. I want people to tell me why I'm wrong or come up with a solution to something I think was the right one. And I'm okay to hear that I'm I'm wrong. I'm an idiot. Tell me why I'm an idiot, right? Like I don't need a bunch of yes people. Absolutely. And and something else that that makes me passionate about this specific role, and I know you asked a little bit about it, Chris, is that a company like uh, like Future Legends, it's different from the larger sports teams or the larger sports operations. I have is let's say I have an employee that comes to me and says, Hey, I have an awesome idea to have a annual Quidditch event on these fields every October. And I can say, you know what? That's an awesome idea. Let's do that. All of a sudden, I don't have to ask any more permission. We own the land, we run the events. If I work for the Mets and I wanna institute or implement a new way of selling tickets, that's not really that feasible, uh, unfortunately. And so I, I was able to learn that firsthand. You know, Sometimes you hear uh, it's really good to try something because you learn what you don't like about something. I, when I was at a corporation, I learned that I, I liked having less structure. And some people love structure, and that's great. That, that, that works for them. It allows them to be more organized. They know exactly what to expect. I like having a lot of ways to be innovative. And so there are other things in the sports industry that you're talking about, Chris, that outside of just working for a team or an agency, there are a lot of, of smaller companies, smaller complexes, other entities that you can join. You have more leeway. You can be more creative. And so I can put on a Quidditch event if I want to. I can have a national ping pong tournament if it makes sense. I don't have to ask anybody for permission, which is nice. 
I can put on an event that we think makes the most sense for our complex and all of the teammates that we have, if they have a good idea, we can run with it. They've earned that right. If they're on our team, we've picked them for a reason. They have that right to do the things that they're passionate about too. This goes back to exactly what Rob and I talk about for the younger folks is don't get caught up in the name on the front of the jersey or the business card, right? Just because the opportunity exists with one of the the major sports or the major teams, it doesn't necessarily mean it's the right job for you because culture plays into everything that we do on a daily basis. And for a situation where you don't like structure and you like to have free thinking and and, an opportunity to come up with ideas that you can just run with, to your point, that's much less likely going to happen at the Boston Red Sox than it is going to happen with an an organization such as Future Legends or a minor league team or, or, or a startup. That people need to know where they thrive. And it's I tell this to everybody. The only people who care where you work are you and your mom. <laughs> so you have to brag about it. Like, like get to, they get to say, oh, yeah, like my son works for someone. Like that, it, it, your friends don't care. They have other tough stuff, their own lives to worry about. But if you have to get up every morning, you have to go to your job. Not your friends, not your uncles, not your family. You do. And if you don't enjoy or feel at home in that responsibility or in that culture that you're you've joined it's a waste of your time because all you're doing is getting to say i can get you free tickets to a a sporting event great but what's that doing for you why does it make you happy so couldn't agree more with like look there might be that job opportunity in the nfl with a certain team that you're like oh it's the nfl i'm gonna go work there and again that might be right for that person but if you're not that type of individual who, who likes to be like exactly in this little box it may not be for you and stuff that you guys are doing and building, that might be what gets your juices flowing. People might pe- there's people who only work at startups their whole career, right? They do it right. they go startup, to startup, to startup, to startup, because that's what they thrive on. They don't like the I'm just another cog in the wheel of being a five thousand person uh, um, organization because they just don't fit in there, and that's okay. Like that's where to your point, and I think I'm going to ask you that this is going to actually long segue to this next question. You made a comment, Casey, about everyone has 700 internships and and so forth. I think as you may be doing more hiring, you might realize this. That's sometimes not that true. And it's actually sometimes more eye-opening than I, I thought it would be as I've gone in 17 years of my career now. There's a lot of people who just, to your point, they go to college, they do an internship or two, they get their degree and they go, oh, I'm ready. Like, here I am. Right, hire right. me. I went going through your LinkedIn profile. I've never had to click more times <laughs> on someone's see more experiences than yours. and. And I must say, that's a, that's a great thing. Like, I, I think that's amazing. So what I want to ask you is, all these things that you've done, how how has that paid off for you down the road? And I, there's one I'll get to later on I ask you a question about. But how have all these things paid off for you to help you have that answer that you just said? Like, I know I don't like working in an organization, like a corporate, I needed to be somewhere like here. Let's talk about all those experiences. Like, what? how'd that work for you? Yeah. No, first of all, I apologize. You had to sift through the LinkedIn. I wouldn't wish that on anybody. Uh, it's a great thing. No, it's I, I love that because that means like <laughs> so. W- Rob and I always say the words: do something, right? Like just do something. This world is now much easier. There's less red tape to just start up and do something. Right. You've clearly done some things. So how did those some things add up to today? Yeah, uh, that's a good question. Uh, I would say that me personally, I'm a very unorthodox person. I tell that to my team all the time. They can see it. It's pretty evident. Uh, I try and 
keep myself as busy as I can because I operate better when I have stuff to do. When I have certain time where I have nothing going on, I feel like I'm not being productive. And so at a very young age, uh, let's say 12 or 13, I would always try to involve myself whatever time that I had to learning new things, even if it was things that wouldn't necessarily help me in life, uh, in the future, it would, as you're saying, Chris, and as I said earlier, it teaches me the things that I like about certain things and that I don't like about certain things. I was somebody that was relatively good at math, but I didn't like it. And you, know, you, you see all those, uh, the memes and the people talking about in school, you know, why, why am I learning about Y equals MX plus B if I'm ever going to use that in my sports job? You learn it to learn how to do certain things in the process of how you get there. Uh, and, and from there, you can see, okay, I'm really good at this part of the process. I'm really good at problem solving. I'm not as good as planning when I'm going to do stuff to make sure I get the, the assignment done on time. I'm not as good at sitting down and focusing for two straight hours on something. I'm somebody that likes to do four different 30-minute sessions, right? And so I tried to give myself as many opportunities that I could whether they were startups, whether it was a company that had three people in it, whether it was a, a side gig that you worked three hours a week for an app. You know, I wanted to make sure that I dabbled in as many things as I could without going crazy. And I'm sure I went crazy at a certain point. So I don't wish that upon anybody else. Don't have 4 million internships. You'll turn out like me on the bad side. Uh, trying to do as many things as I could to learn what I liked. And all of those things combined into... I want to be in the sports industry. I want to be a part of a management team that is passionate, that does things the way that I believe should be the way that you run a sports team or a sports organization, which is very unprecedented. And I'll get into that in a second, Chris. Uh, and I know that I wanted to be a part of, of people and a part of sports and allow myself to still be a, a fan of sports, but be on the front office side. A lot of positions that you were talking about, Chris, and, and when people go to master's, schools for graduate schools for, you know, when they, when they work for the Red Sox, they don't realize that you don't necessarily just get to sit there and watch the game. You're working the whole game. You're working hours that a lot of other industries don't have. You're working weekends, you're working nights, you get home at two in the morning, tired, you wake up at seven in the morning and do it again. And I learned that I wanted to still be a fan of sports as much as I love it and still be in some way affecting how other people get to view sports in the same way that I get to. And so all of those different experiences that I had, I found opportunities, whether they were small or big, that allowed me to find the right path that was necessary for me. And a lot of these companies, people have never heard of. You know, I didn't work for Under Armour my whole life. I worked for companies that don't even exist anymore. And sometimes those experiences you learn, okay, I really like this. I really didn't like this. And then it takes you to your next step. And then you get to where you want to go. So I got to ask you about one of the things on the LinkedIn profile, yeah. though. Yeah. The uh, 108 Stitches movie. Yep. I knew that was coming. <laughs> Tell me. Let's let's talk about it. I, I watched the trailer. I uh, saw, Roger, I, I saw yeah. Roger Clemens in there. Yeah. Uh, so my brother, uh, film producer, he lives in Hollywood, uh, much smarter than I am. Uh, he is in the film industry. He's worked on many different films, short and larger. Uh, this was his first film. He worked with his team at a very young age uh, that he had most of the reins for. Uh, it's a baseball movie that's kind of like a romantic comedy. The two lead characters, uh, one was the pink Power Ranger, uh, Aaron Cahill, 
Uh, another one is a guy who's been in a bunch of other stuff. His name is Ryan Carl- Carlberg. And there's a bunch of, of kind of uh, local celebrities that were in the movie that they use it as, as, as a, uh, like a side project. And they needed a guy to be the freshman in college that everybody made fun of. Uh, and my brother came to me and said, instead of me hiring somebody, can I give you seven lines to be in the movie uh, and to be our freshman in our college movie? And so I said, yeah, sure. Like, why not? Let me help out help out my brother and have a fun time. Uh, and so I had a grand total of seven lines. My, my name was Richard John Thomas Johnson. Uh, which <laughs> Dick Johnson. I, correct. I was going to say the PG version is it's an inappropriate body part three straight times was part yeah. of the movie. Uh, and so I had seven lines. I had one stunt where I fell down the stairs and I dropped a bucket of balls. So I do my own stunts. So if you're hiring a stunt man, uh, I got that going for me, I guess. Uh, but yep, I was in the movie for, for seven lines in about 10 minutes total. Uh, one of the weirder things I've done, we we do have a a personal relationship with Roger Clemens. So we're able to ask him if he wanted to join too. Uh, we've had a long history with him. So he, he was like, yeah, uh, no problem. I'd love to be in it. Uh, so that's why he's in it. But yeah, the only reason why I was in it is because my brother needed an extra to have seven lines. And I just, uh, I have well, the, the person sitting next to him when he was thinking about it. Let, let me just say you, you're on IMDB. That's awesome. That's so cool. Like <laughs> I you have, you're, you're, you're in the, you're in the credits on IMDB. So I mean, hell it, for that alone, it's worth it. I mean, you just get on IMDB, uh, that, that, so yeah, the movie's seven, like seven years old now. I look like, yeah, uh, 2013, I believe. Uh, so, I believe it's when I was in theaters. Yeah, I think. Um, so you know what's funny, and I was gonna, the reason I wanted to talk to you about it, based on the industry I've been able to been fortunate to be in, I, I've been in, I was an extra in the movie The Fighter with Mark Wahlberg because I filmed oh, hell yeah. all the fight scenes in our arena. So I sat ringside for uh the fights that he was in and because it was filmed in our in that town and it was all about mickey ward which is from lowell and i was at the time i was working for the devils in lowell i had never been more bored during the day <laughs> of shooting like i had because you have no idea right like we sh- they shot the same scene i don't know 30 different times oh, over and sure. over and over and over and you're just and you had to keep like paramiming and then then you actually had to cheer like it was I was like, I'll never do this again. Like, I was bored out of my mind of how, how long that took. For And then when I watched the movie, I'm like, it's literally like 32 seconds. And it took three days to film. I'm like, oh, my God. Like, it was yeah. it was a long, long, long day uh, of filming for just my face being like right next to the ring. I got to see like I, if I pause it, I'm like, oh, there I am. So, That's yeah. Awesome. But I, I agreed 100 percent. You want to talk about experiences where I learned what I didn't want to do. I don't know how my brother does it. I don't have the patience for it. As you said, you take three days to film two seconds of a film. Uh, all power to him. He's been successful with it. I couldn't do it for more than the time I had. Uh, no, it's like seeing behind the – like, look, I, I love movies, and it, it didn't ruin it for me, but it made me like, yeah, I don't want to work in this industry. It's almost like when you sometimes are about to join the sports industry, you don't want to see how the sausage is made because it might ruin it for you because, like, to your point, you want to stay a fan. And right, right. I, the majority of my colleagues and I who have said who've been in the business long enough, it's definitely hurt our fandom uh, because you know too much to be to be dangerous, right? Because you really understand how things happen and what it's all about. And it's just it you don't become numb to it, but it's it's unfortunate because it, a little bit of it taken for granted. And I and I one of my biggest pieces of advice to younger folks is don't let that happen when you when you walk out to a stadium or organization or if you're building something like you guys are doing. 
have those moments where you sit back and pinch yourself and say, wow, this is freaking awesome what I'm doing. And remember those things because they, they come and go so quick. And to your point, you're working 16 hour days. Sometimes you forget to step back and be like, look at what I've built or what I'm building. Like this right. is amazing. Absolutely. I couldn't have said it better myself. And it, it's, uh, it, everyone has their own motivation. You know, for me, uh, I have to give my mom a shout out. She's the biggest supporter of my life. And growing up with someone that supportive that allowed me to be uh, in pursuit of whatever I wanted to do. And, and same with my dad. Uh, I, I'm much more fortunate than a lot of people, unfortunately, uh, where I had parents that were very supportive, allowed me to, to pursue what I wanted. And honestly, not everybody gets that same privilege. Uh, and so as somebody that's in a position that I hire now, uh, I, I theoretically run a company that can be as innovative as we want. And I see people that don't have the same privileges that I've had in my life. And they're trying to get there. They're working, you know, 18 hour days, seven days a week, provide for their family to make sure that they have the opportunity that they're passionate about. And now is my opportunity to provide that opportunity for those type of people that a lot of other bigger companies, unfortunately, they don't look twice at them. They get thousands of resumes. They see the three people that go to Harvard. They take those three people and the people with better experiences that have had more life experience with different backgrounds, different ways of thinking, different diversity, different places where they're from. Those people offer much more to your company than the three people that went to Harvard. No offense to them. Uh, and so that's what you know. My, my parents taught me in a young age. I was very fortunate for that. And now I'm on a stage where I can bring that mindset to a company where you can still be a fan. You can still enjoy what you do. You can be happy. You can treat people with respect and still work hard and do something that uh, provides for the business. I love that. No, that's a great attitude. And like I, the fact that you at a young age can actually see that and view that as a, as a plus for some folks and, and look past the name on the, the degree is huge because some people get so jaded by that. It goes back to the same thing we talked about not too long ago was like, don't get blinded by the word New York Yankees versus the, right. the, the Appalachian hound dogs, whatever the hell they are, right. That there might be a better person from that organization than there was at the Yankees. It doesn't matter. It's just like take each example and each person at their level of who they are and what they bring to the table versus who they know. Cause if you get caught up in that world, you, everyone just hires all their friends and then nothing gets done. Right. Agreed. hundred percent. So, so Casey, uh, in terms of next steps for you guys, uh, clearly building a, a, a sports empire heaven is a challenge in the middle of a pandemic. Cause you re, you guys are reliant on families attending said right. complex. How have you been, you've been, I know we talked about a little bit before we started recording again, how have you guys been adapting to the, the current situation? How has it made you guys better as an organization? What types of things have you come up with that are creative that you're going to help to overcome what we're currently facing as a society? Yeah, absolutely. So first, obviously, I want to express any, any condolences that I can to anybody that's been affected by COVID and you know this pandemic. It's just been an awful experience for so many people. And we want to make sure that we wish our best for the people that are affected by it. Uh, and secondly, you know, we're very lucky that we're not opening this summer. Let's put it that way. Yep. Uh, we're, our soft open, I think I mentioned this earlier, I forgot. Uh, our soft open is July of 21-ish, you know, summer of 21. And our hard open is more like March and April of 22. Uh, so we do have some time. And with COVID-related circumstances, we're allowed to strategize as much as we can for the future. Because if, if we're still dealing with COVID by next summer, 
and by spring of 22, we have much bigger issues to think about. Uh, yeah, we're all in trouble. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So we, we try and be as glass half full as we can. Our construction schedule is the same. We're, we still have the construction permits to work during this time and to have social distance, distancing and making, making sure that our construction workers are as safe as they can uh, with their families, et cetera. Uh, but in terms of planning the events, we have to plan for when the country is going to be back on its feet. Because if we don't, we're not going to be prepared to succeed. You know, if we keep having backup plans of, you know, we can't do this, we can't do this. If COVID lasts this long, if it lasts this long, if we don't have a success plan, then we're not going to be very successful. You know, we're going to have a lot of backup plans that we're going to throw out there. And so what we're doing now is, you know, we're planning events from 2021 until 2027. You know, these people like to plan events outside uh, as far in advance as they can. And so do we uh, with our internal future legends events that we'll have. Uh, and so what we're doing now is we're strategizing as much as we can. We're, we're planning for as much success as we can see while still having some backup plans. But right now, you know, we're, we're planning events for the future. We're about a year and a half away from having any major event. And again, if, if we can't have a major event in a year and a half, we're probably in a little bit deeper trouble than we thought. Uh, but in terms of precautions, you know, social distancing will probably be a thing for a uh, a majority of the future, having different safety precautions, making sure that health and, and safety is the number one priority. It allows you to be transparent with your consumer and allows you to strategize as optimistically as you can. No, I love that. And it's, it's making us, I think, in a certain weird way, be all be better at our jobs because it's forcing us to get creative and, and find solutions to problems. And that's what our industry does West, right? We're always, every day is, an, is a problem in front of us that we have to come up with a solution to, whether it be a corporate sponsor is losing their mind or there's, you, you have a flood in your left field and you still right. play a, a tournament. We always have to come up with creative ways. So Casey, you guys, you said earlier, you guys are hiring. So what's the best way for people to find? I saw you have a director of marketing position open. Yeah. Uh, what's the best way to get in contact with you or, or find more information about the Future Legends Complex? Yeah, I try and be as open as I can to anybody interested that wants to be part of us. Uh, I would be a hypocrite if I wasn't. I would say uh, right now we're, we're planning our next nine months of hiring. There's a bunch of positions that we need, as you would expect, for the different departments that we have. The couple that we put out already uh, are good ways for us, one, to hire the position we need, but also get candidates for the future. You know, say we get five people we love for one position. The other four people we say, hey, we think you actually could be really good at this. Uh, would you be interested in this in a couple months when we open it? And so we, we don't have a precedent. There's no org structure we have to have. We have an idea of what we would like. But if we see somebody come to me and say, hey, I would love to help you guys with this area and we think that I can help you in this way, Similar to what I talked about earlier, Chris, and bringing value to a company. And I say, interesting, that might be a position that we can add to this one and see if we can talk to you further about that. The good thing about us is it's not too much convincing to have people come to northern Colorado. You step one foot. It's one of the most pretty places you can go. Uh, the tourism is crazy. If you like skiing, you can do that. If you like hiking, you can do that. If you like uh, laying on the couch and watching my sports teams lose, like I do, it's a great <laughs> place for that too. Uh, so on top of that, the best way to reach out to me, I would say, is either LinkedIn or Twitter. It's a thing that, that I have the most access to checking with the schedule that I have. Uh, my email, I'm sure, is out there. If you really need my email, I'm sure you can find it or can message me on one of those platforms to get it. I try and be as accessible as I can. 
Because if I don't, then I'm doing a disservice to my past self that was looking for that when I was younger. And there are a lot of really qualified people out there. There are a lot of, of professionals that can be a huge asset to me. And if I close myself off to that, we're not having the best upper echelon experience that we talk about, right? No, I love that. And if, if you guys are listening and gals uh, and you're looking for opportunities or to make a great connection, you should be reaching out to Casey immediately uh, to start that process because I'm a big proponent of it when you're early in your career and there's things that you can do to help tell your story and build it up and learn as much as possible. It's to get your feet wet and, and get it, roll up your sleeves and get involved in a project such as this, because that's how you learn and that's how you grow. And when you want to go tell your story to the next person waiting to hire you, you'll have an amazing story to tell versus I made a hundred phone calls a day. Like I just, right. I, sometimes I think those are, these are better opportunities if people take off those, 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 those glasses and can see the true potential of what that experience is going to bring them. So Casey, I can't thank you enough uh, for joining. Uh, this has been really fun. Like I said, it's been great to talk to someone who's not necessarily with a team or league to get a different perspective of people who are doing some great things in our industry and, and the, the work that you guys have and the vision you have to, to create those memories for children and their families and also the special needs side of things like kudos to you again, really looking forward to this opening. Cause it's, uh, it's just an awesome, awesome project you guys have going on. Really appreciate that, Chris. That means a lot, man. What you guys have been doing is incredible and in providing this voice uh, to anybody that's willing to listen. I definitely commend you on that. You know, whatever I can do to help any listener out there with your career, the same way that people help mine, uh, feel free to reach out. It's my personal preference to try and help as many people as I can with whatever uh, garbage advice that I might have. Uh, whatever I can do to help you, please don't hesitate to ask. It's, you know, it's a huge goal of mine to be as helpful as I can. Thanks, Casey, and uh, stay safe. You too, man. Appreciate it, Chris. Bye.